Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight, where I work with agency owners to help them turn their agency into the agency they always dreamt about. I'm here with my friend, Don Seckler from Peak Inbound Marketing. Don works with agencies on their client digital marketing, but more recently, Don spun off a new service where he's building in-house agency teams to teach them how to do digital marketing. So Don, thanks for joining me. How are we doing today? Hey, Steve. Good to see you. Ah, great to see you always, my friend. Don also does, uh, obviously, he's a musician. If you look at his background, very talented on, on the web musician and so, does so. podcasts. <laughs> I mean, listen, I've got this guitar here. It's really just a, a, a talk piece. Uh, but we've got a podcast where he and our common friend, Tommy, talk about uh, albums and stuff. So, uh, yeah, but we're not going to dig into that. I don't, I don't want to plug a competing podcast, obviously. <laughs> but... Uh, so tell us about, um, I guess, if you need to tell, like, let, let's get the story of Peak. You know, you were one of the first digital marketers. I'm not going to age you in any way, but yeah, you, you got a publishing old. background. <laughs> right. And you got into digital marketing, launched Peak. Now you're doing this new thing. Like, give us that whole storyline. Yeah, so it's crazy. When I, you know, I am up there, getting up there in age. And so uh, when <laughs> I did are, start, friend. there was no internet <laughs> when I got out of college. Uh, I actually, my first job was actually writing commercials for radio. And then from there, I got into the publishing world and got into direct marketing. And when the mid nineties, when the internet started getting popular, I was at a magazine and they said, hey, we have these websites. We need to figure out a way to make money with them. And so I was tasked with monetizing websites in the you know mid 1996. So this is before Google and before Facebook and before you know most of the things that we're we're very uh, familiar with today. Um, but it showed me, you know, that it was very similar. The process of SEO and attracting an audience to a website was very similar to tr traditional direct marketing. You still have to be targeted to the right prospect. You still have to have a great offer that makes them interact. And you, you know, so it was the same, same basic tenets. And so, uh, you know, over the years we've applied those. And I, I started my own agency about eight years ago, um, where we do SEO and PPC and some marketing automation, a lot of lead generation work. Uh, we work with our own clients. We have uh, agencies that we white label for. So we are their SEO or PPC or sometimes both departments. Um, mm -hmm. And recently I have uh, started a new, new service, which uh, I'm calling Peak SEO Training. And mm -hmm. what we're doing is basically building SEO and PPC departments for other agencies. So if you're an agency that is a, you know, a web where you're building websites, but you have no SEO knowledge, we can come in, we'll help you hire the right people, help, uh, we'll train them. We have a complete video learning system that's an over to the shoulder system, very easy for people to use step-by-step -step instructions. And then we're also gonna coach them as well. 
So we'll meet with them every week and do one-on-one coaching. So you have the learning uh, part. And then on top of that, we're doing live coaching. Uh, And then the other thing we do is give you all of our systems. So over the eight years of doing this for a lot of variety of different size businesses, we have systems in place for everything, basically. So there's two really cool things that I love about this. One is uh, you get to kind of train them and you get some kind of ongoing coaching revenue out of it. Beautiful business model there. The second thing, um, from an agency standpoint, so many agencies are like, oh, we'll build your website. It'll be beautiful, sexy, fast, mobile, WYSIWYG, blah, 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 blah. But then the agency is out of revenue. Like you charge, even if you charge a hundred grand for this website, you're now you're, you're limited to what? $100, a month maintenance fees. So right. here's a really solid way to stay engaged with the client, build that recurring revenue, which is just the, the healthiest thing to do for any agency is how do I, how do I get recurring revenue? Right. And so you're teaching them, are you talking about pricing with them? Are you helping them figure out how to price this stuff? We are. We also, yeah, we also have a segment where we train the, the, uh, the team, the executive team, the sales team. So we work with them on positioning, how to sell it. It's not real hard to sell these services because everybody needs them. Uh, it's a matter, it's more a matter of gauging expectations. So you set the bar realistically. There's no, this is not, there's no magic wand here. It's a lot of work. It takes time to have success. And when you explain that to people and show that you're using real marketing strategy in your efforts, and then you're adjusting as you go, it makes a lot of sense to people. It makes it a lot easier to retain those clients. You know, the, the, the evil magic word of pivot came up. And we all got nauseous when we heard it over the past couple of years during pandemic. But right. the reality is if an agency really wasn't like grabbing hold of what digital marketing can be over the past few years, I'm not going to say that like that was their own you know detriment. But the reality is agencies that thrived over the past few years are agencies that primarily leveraged digital marketing and, and knew how to target, you know, captive audiences of people that were in their home, knew mm-hmm. how to, you know, leverage digital tools, whether it's creating content for TikTok or doing SEO or inbound building funnels, those kinds of things. Well, the other thing is you're just, you're, quite frankly, you're leaving money on the table. So, right. you know, we boil it down to the basis of what what are you in business for? You know, w- what our estimates are, and, and this is based on partners who've kind of implemented, we, we had a couple that we beta tested with. And, you know, so uh, we know that you can generate uh, probably about, uh, about 300,000 in revenue per year per employee with these services. So, you know, we know if, even if you're going to have to pay somebody 70, 80 grand, which you may have to these days, but you know, who knows, um, you're still going to have a healthy profit. And that's really what we're, we're trying to really help bottom line and, you know, make a difference in, in that bottom line for, for well, so let's dig into profit in a minute, but I want to, I want to take like a half a step back and think about the agencies that are like, and I mean, we have friends that, you know, in common that do this, I have clients that do this, uh, it's it's something I've often recommended, but so I am an owner, and all we do is branding. All we do is this, and so how do you how do you other than the obvious profitability, how do you convince an agency owner to say you should break away from this niche of service, not not the niche of industry, but the niche of service, right. because we want to be experts in this service model. How do you convince them to add on this new service that's brand new to them? 
Well, you know, and I wouldn't always push for that if somebody's really against it. I'm not a I'm not a real kind of like pushy sales guy type person. So if somebody tells me, hey, we have a vacuum, come on. Yeah. If if we just have no if they just have no interest, I'm like, okay, well, all right. Well, it's not for you. Not a good fit. But it really is about expanding and and driving that bottom line higher. You know, so if you want to expand your services and grow your agency, the only way to do that is through adding additional services. You know, you're out there yeah. selling all the time for the services you have. So you're at your, you know, you know, unless you're going to add a sales team or things like that, you you may have already maxed out in terms of what you can do with a, a limited line of services. And there's no reason that those types of agencies, branding agencies, especially, they should be in the, the PPC and SEO space because you know what's yeah. going to happen? They're going to have a client who asks for it. And this is what we see all the time. And then they have to go out and outsource it to somebody else. And they've been outsourcing it to us. And that's where we kind of got the idea. So, well, right. you know, if you guys had this in-house, because A, you're going to pay an outsourcer way more than right. you're going to pay an employee. Um, yeah. you know, not at first because it's, it's small, it's one or two clients, you know, so it's a little bit, it's a little fee here, a little fee there, but as you get 10 clients, now you're paying your, you know, your outsourcer 5,000 a month on, you yeah. know, X thousand in revenue when you could be paying a little bit less than that, or, you know, the numbers could be a little bit different, I guess. But. So, so the math of that, and I love it. And, and I, I always try and use the formula of, for the most part, each employee should bring in, not that they have to go out and get it, but they should earn 3x their salary or, or their cost to the agency. So right. salary plus benefits plus overhead uh, plus taxes, 3x that. And that should be what you should be getting out of an employee. So if you think about and to your point, all right, we've got two clients. We're outsourcing it to Don. He's handling it. Maybe we're taking 10% or maybe we're white labeling it. So there's some profitability there. But if you take this one employee and one employee can handle two, three, four clients, the scalability is pretty awesome just yeah. from a math standpoint. Yeah. And for SEO that you can scale up as high as 10 clients per person. If it's yeah. PPC, you can do more, but you're going to charge a little less generally. So, you know, it, it works out in the end where if it's a PP, if it's a PPC employee, you know, maybe they're handling 15 to 20 accounts a month. Yeah. Um, or at the same time. And, and with an SEO person, it might be about half that about 10. Okay. What about, so, so the agencies that are doing branding, graphic design, and maybe they're leading with brand strategy. And so that's a piece of what their services are. How are you rolling in digital strategy or, you know, making it more 360 holistic if it's a PR agency, that kind of thing? Right. Well, we focus on, hey, the, the branding stuff is great. It's awareness. It's recognition. It's definitely important. But here are services that you're going to deliver that are going to drive actual business for your customers. So, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, a pharma agency that's doing a clinical test and needs signups, you know, for the clinical test, you can run ads at that and crush it like we've done for a couple of them where yeah. you just, you know, filling up their, their list very quickly in terms of, of prospects for that clinical trial. And on the other case, if it's a smaller business, say it's a law office or, you know, something similar, some kind of professional services, lead generation uh, is, uh, ex it works really, really well when you use SEO or PPC to drive people there. The trick right. is, you know, when you do that branding work first, you've done a lot of the audience work, which is very helpful because we want to see that. So we always start with the audience. So when we're saying yeah. whether it's, 
SEO or PPC, it's audience first. It's targeting. That's 90% of it. Once you nail that targeting down, if you've done all that work with the branding and the, and the, you know, the avatars and the personas and all that kind of stuff, then you've got, you've just kind of got a running start. Now you can just drive more business for your client. And the good thing about it is all of this stuff is very trackable. So I can give a client a report and say, Hey, we were ranking for 10 keywords in Google. Now we're ranking for 300 and you had zero on the first page. And now you've got 17 terms on the first page. And so your web traffic has increased dramatically and it's all targeted because we target from the very beginning. So our strategy is target, target, target so that everybody who comes to your website, whether it's through SEO or PPC is already your ideal prospect. And so that what that does is drive results. You know, we've had clients, um, consumer clients, it's a little bit easier with consumer stuff because it's a little bit broader where, you know, they're getting 30 to 50 leads a month that are all decent leads, you know, so depending and the industry is it's going to vary so much by industry, but when you can get that targeting, right, you're, you're sending through almost all of them are qualified leads. So it's very, very valuable for the client. What are some things that agencies can do? Let's say they can't bring you on right now, but they want to start kind of dabbling in this space and saying, all right, we can do digital strategy, or we can maybe tinker with doing some, you know, integrate GA4, which is coming out now, or, you know, we can do some digital stuff for our clients. Possibly. How do they dabble? You know, dabble? I mean, dabbling is a little, is a little dangerous. Uh, like, so when you're talking <laughs> about SEO, <laughs> when you're talking about SEO, if you do 80% of what we normally do as an SEO process, you're not going to get 80% of the results. You're probably going to get about right. 40% of the results. So SEO is a little complicated. It mostly boils down to content. But when you do all of those things at once, then you get results. When you do a few of them or you say, like normally we'll tell a client if we're doing an SEO, we want a weekly blog post targeted around specific keywords that we're trying to, you know, make more visible in, in Google. And well, if the client says, well, we can only do one blog post a month. I'm not going to, we're not going to accept that. We're not going to work with that client because they're not going to get results. And so. Sure. They're expecting you to give them the same results. Right. With the 25% of the deliverables. Yeah. Right. And it's the same way. And it's the same way on the ad side. So if you say, you know, you have a client who's a mom and pop and they've got $300 to run ads, I'll tell them to, you know, use that money on lawn signs or something, because it really is not going to be real effective in the PPC world. So what we do is we try to make sure that the clients are set up for success and we want to be straight with them up front and let them know if they, what they're, you know, what they want to do is not going to be successful because I don't, you know, it's not worth it to take their money and then have them be pissed off at you after three months because nothing's happening. Absolutely. And if it's a mom and pop, that's all the money that they've got and they're expecting miracles. So I fully get that. Yeah. Say, what are some of the big shifts that have happened? So I know it used to be blog posts needed to be a certain length, or you know, used to be meta tags were you know the money shot. Like, what are the the big shifts that have happened in the past year with digital? Well, well, most of the changes, and if you're talking about SEO in particular with Google, most of the changes that actually happen 
are things Google does to get rid of the bad things that people are doing. So people trying to game the system, that's most of the changes are around that. So generally, if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing your audience targeting, you're creating a plan, you're creating content, you're executing it on a regular basis, you're going to have success regardless of the changes for the most part. Yeah. Now, there are exceptions to that and there are changes, you know, there, first of all, there are, are hundreds of Google algorithms. There's not just one algorithm. There's there's all these what? little algorithms. What? There's not just one? No. And they change daily. So it's not, you know, yeah. they're constantly in a flux of learning and changing and adapting. And, you know, there are big changes to watch out for, but it's really about just kind of doing the right thing. And it's it's just good marketing practice is really what it boils down to. So content is still king. Is it enough yeah. that I can just, you know, do a blog on a regular basis and throw it up on a, on a Squarespace site or a Wix site or publish it on LinkedIn and it'll give me some traction or is there a lot more to it? There is a lot more to it. You know, you generally yeah. want to stay away from the Squarespace and Wix types of builders. They're fine. They're easy to use. They can make a pretty site, but it's more challenging to have success in Google because they limit what you can change and, and what you can do in the back end. Um, but it's all about getting content and making those decisions based on data. So how are people searching? You know, what are the competitors doing? Looking at what's yeah. ranking and just taking an example of what Google likes and doing more of that, you know? Yeah. Is it still valuable or is still as valuable, I should say, to do those kind of question-based blog post topics like, what are people asking about what I do? And then let me answer sure. that in 600 to a thousand words. Is that still a, a viable yeah. Yeah. part if, of a tactic? I don't want to say an entire. If, yeah. If you wanted one takeaway, if you're a business owner and want to do a blog, answer the questions that you get asked the most by your clients in a yeah. blog. Each blog would be a separate question that you answer, answer it in detail. You had asked about length before. We like to do a minimum of 600 words for a blog post. Longer is generally a little bit better, but you know it depends on the quality of the content. Google's very good right. at evaluating the quality of content now. It's much better than it's ever been, and it's getting better. So yeah. getting the right words on the page help a lot. But yeah, if you have a, a, a post that answers a question, we ha- I had a, one client who was a local architect. We wrote a post you know, I, about the most expensive things when you build a new house. Well, that yeah. post got picked up by Google really well. And the, they have a featured snippet right at the top for how much does it cost to build a house? So the, where the featured snippet is something that goes at the very, very top of Google, even above the ads. And so yep. now this guy's a local guy. So he's driving a lot of traffic outside of his area, which is not as helpful, but he's also dominating in his area. So it's definitely yeah. worth it. I'm always amazed, and granted, there's a lot of computers behind it and people that are slightly smarter than me figuring it out, but I'm always amazed when I ask a question, and I haven't even gotten to the meat of the question. I might type like, how do I, and it knows that I want to ask like plant potatoes or whatever that thing might be, and then that snit, like, so it knows the question, but then the snippet at the top that you just mentioned, that thing is so contextually accurate to the rest of the question I want to ask. Like, it's just, it continues to amaze me. Yeah. And this is because of tracking. So they track what you search and, you know, anybody who thinks they're not being tracked, if they have a phone or you're online, you're being tracked. So, but that can be really useful. So when it gives you the right answer, it's super useful. And like you said, 
So what you and I are going to get in those when you get the autocomplete, that's what that's called mm -hmm. when you type in like the first four words and it gives you like the next yeah. three. So, so yours and I, mine will be very different because we search for different things, you know? So, mm -hmm. you know. That, do we though? I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I love that. And I'm, as a marketer, I'm a fan of be listening, know what I'm looking for. Right. Answer my questions for me. I'm out, show me the right products. Like I'm so okay with all that. Sure. So there's people that are like, I don't want them listening. Well, then you're going to get those really weird ads that don't make any sense for you. And the questions are not right. going to be answered for you as easily. And so I guess there's a trade-off to, you know, having big brother, big data listening. Yeah, there really is. And, you know, the, the other thing is that uh, people, you know, everybody's spending habits and everything has been tracked since the seventies. So yeah. once credit cards became a thing in Absolutely. the 60s and seventies, all that, all those companies have been collecting that data for decades so this is nothing new. It's just a little more obvious because you're online a lot more and you're giving them more input than you used to. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, we, we veered a little off topic, but I love where we went with it because I, I love the creepiness of effective marketing, uh, data-driven marketing. And you talked about kind of, you know, the data-driven points that you do. Looking at the clock, I want to make sure we're, we're you know, staying on track. The beauty of sure. this is I want to keep it to 25. So I want to jump into a couple of kind of rapid fire questions for you. And okay. They don't need to be, you don't need to like spit it instantly. But so first, what's the craziest thing that you did during quarantine? Uh, the craziest thing. I didn't do anything crazy. I hunkered down, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I was very concerned because my parents are elderly. My dad actually passed away in January. Um, but my parents are elderly. My wife's a home care nurse. So she was going out and seeing COVID patients and wearing the full spacesuit and everything. And I was like afraid I was going to get it and then give it to my parents. So I just hunkered yeah. down and did not really do much of anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, some people were like, oh, we washed our food when it came. Like we all washed our food when it came in the house, like <laughs> all kinds of weird things. So what's a, uh, what's a book or a podcast or an audio book that you're like really into right now? I, I really, you know, I don't listen to podcasts to be, believe it or not. Really? <laughs> yeah, okay. I know, you know, and I'm a little bit older, so it's kind of might be kind of an okay boomer Lovely. type of thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah. Uh, book wise, I picked this up, uh, Atomic, Atomic Habits. Habits. And okay. I, I haven't read it yet, but it's on my yep. list of, you know, kind of next on deck. I just finished the Stephen King book, so this will be next. I just subscribed to James Clear's uh, newsletter and it's oh, yeah. really, really great stuff that I think it's once a week or something like that. It's really, really good stuff. Yeah. So um, I don't know if that book has been on my radar, but I'll, I'll add it. So that's good. Atomic Habits, James Clear. Latest new hobby or obsession, something you just can't get enough of. I'm kind of getting back into baseball, which is weird. I had like, I used okay. to be a huge New York Mets fan, Tom Seaver, you know, 60s, 70s, 86. Mets, 86 okay. yeah. yeah. I yeah. actually started watching baseball games again. So I'm kind of back into cool. baseball. All right. Finally, and this is a big one, best piece of advice that you can give to agency owners, whether it's, you know, related to what you do, how businesses run, but overall best piece of business advice for an agency owner that you can leave them with. Well, I'll tell you the thing that that kind of helped me the most was when somebody told me the most important thing you can do is uh, do a better job of filtering your clients up front. So if mm -hmm. if you have that first 
call or the first couple of calls and things don't right feel right or somebody's personality really bothers you. Yeah. You know, I understand that sometimes it's a monetary decision, but uh, it's been something that's saved me a lot of grief is getting rid of or firing bad clients and yeah. do, trying to do better at filtering them out up front. So yeah. that that was a focus for a lot of my, you know, since I've been had my own business, I've worked on that a lot. Yeah, listen, I love that. Listen to the red flags, listen to your gut. Don't just chase, and you can't always do this, but don't just change, chase the money. Look right. at clients that are gonna trust you to do your job and allow right. you, and absolutely, I love that, super valuable. Don, I am so grateful for your time. Thank you for joining me and whoever's watching. Um, I will put your con your uh, contact info and website in the show notes and on the oh. website. Um, thank you, Don. Appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. It's great being with you. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.